is that a real binding um, medical order if someone says it has to be a particular vendor, a particular company? So, so it does happen. Um, it happens often. It's happening less and less because a lot of the younger doctors don't really care. Um, they're kind of cooler about it. And they say, yeah, no problem. We'll just switch prescriptions from KCI to negative pressure therapy off device. Welcome to the Nursing Home Podcast, your go-to source for professional insights in the long-term care industry. Hear from leaders and experts as they share current and practical insights to help make the most of your day. I've been a long-term care financial specialist. What that means is I help people plan for the inevitable. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to think about getting old, but it's possible that someday we might need a little bit of care. Here's your host, nursing home administrator turned podcaster, Shmuel Septimus. Welcome back to the Nursing Home Podcast, the only podcast that you need to listen to to learn intensively and deeply everything that there is to know about the elusive, confusing, misinformed world of nursing homes. Today, it is my honor and privilege to bring on to the nursing home Aaron Lichtenstein. Aaron is a sales vlogger, changing the way that nursing homes use Woundvax, which you may not know what that is, and we'll get to that in a moment. Aaron is an avid listener and is really excited to join us today on the podcast. So welcome, Aaron, to the Nursing Home Podcast. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. I was looking forward to this from the minute you actually you know, invited me to join. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. And um, let's jump right into it. So before we get a little bit too deep and talk about some of the technical stuff about what you do, what your company does, and why it's important for operators and for everyone else to know, tell us a little bit about your path, a little bit about your journey, something I'm always fascinated with, uh, of how you started from your boring financial yeah. CPA background to doing what you're doing right now. Now, for all those CPAs out there, my grandfather was uh, an accountant and tell you this, and... I come from a lot of financial people, so no offense there. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, how did it, tell us how it happened. So basically my dad, uh, my whole life worked for a DME company. And, you know, when I was, I think, a senior in high school, he came across, you know, the concept of negative pressure wound therapy um, at a conference. And at that point, everyone's using KCI, which is the leader in this industry. We'll get into that. And uh, he decided he's going to leave his company and go out on his own and start renting you know, Woundbacks that are off-market brands, and he started selling it from the back of his, like, 1999 Toyota Camry and go around to his old clients and try to get them to um, use his products over the other ones before. He was, like, a pioneer in this space. And I, I never, you know, in the back of my mind, like, maybe I'll work for him, but I always wanted to be a little bit, I would say, you know, entrepreneurial, do something on my own. And it was, like, 2008, 2009 when I was, kind of going, you know, for my undergrad. And I said to myself, you know what, like the business isn't growing that much. Um, it's really him and one or two other people. And I'm going to go for a degree in accounting. So I told my dad, like, look, this is what I want to do. I went to school, took my CPAs, and I went to work for Deloitte for a year. And then I went to Ernst & Young for three and a half years. When I made manager, um, and when I was at Ernst Young, I, I was really good accountant. I was successful, but mm-hmm. I never really enjoyed doing tax. Now, what they would do for me is they would actually have me do the on-campus 
on-campus interviews, do a lot of promotion for the firm. Um, and they would say, like, your personality, you make partner because you're able to bring in clients. But it can take 20 years until you make partner. And there's so many things mm-hmm. that have to go right. And after a while, I just, for some reason, like, I just didn't want to do it anymore. And I just felt like I'm good at it. I have a good team, good group, great firm, and Young. But this is not what I want to do. So what I did was um, I was doing a lot of recruiting for the firm. For a few months, I went to do um, outside recruiting for a firm that placed accountants out of the big four regional firms into hedge funds, private equity funds, and banks. And I was good at it, but at the same time, like, you know, my father's business was growing. And my brother joined the business four years before me, and he took the business from just being a two-person operation to, at that point, a 10-person operation. And they came to me, and they said, look, you're already out of the accounting space. Why don't you come work for us? And whatever you made last year, we'll start you off like at that level and you'll take wow. it from there. And three years later, it's going great. You know, I, I can't complain. And I don't miss the accounting. So hold time. on. Let me just jump in for a minute. You said you were already out of the accounting space. I thought you were still in that company. Well, I left, I left Ernst & Young and I went to do recruiting for another company that placed people out of accountants into hedge funds and you know, oh, okay. I, so I kind of left that accounting space. I did it for like nine to 10 months. So I was already in that sales role of selling people, which is a really hard thing to do. I have a lot of respect for a lot of recruiters out there. It's a really difficult job. So I was already mm-hmm. out of the accounting space, but I was dealing with accountants. And at that point, the business was growing and they asked me to come join. And I, I said, okay, you know, and I'm, you know, I love it. And I love working with family. Okay. So far. <laughs> all right three years in we're pretty good yeah yeah you you worked out how, how to make all the, the balance because that's a whole separate conversation oh yeah i've had to had to mix together family and business uh something i don't have personal experience with um not looking forward to it but you never know you never know my my, my kids get all the you know we'll, we'll see what will happen then yeah um so now just just to finish the story to finish the narrative Right now in the family business. So the family business, so this, your company, which mm-hmm. is called what, by the way? Uh, wound Healing Technologies. Wound Healing Technologies. We call it WHT, you know, short, you know, for, for that. Okay, fine. So WHT, so your role now is sales? I'm, I'm a director of sales. I don't get involved in operations. Um let them go to China and not, not now, but they go to China to do the development, the R and D. And my goal is to bring on new business and find more nursing homes that want to use our product and service. And I say service is also service to, you know, to bring them on board um, and travel a lot. And whoever's willing to give me a meeting or wherever I'm going, I'm, I'm there um, with one of my okay. clinical people. All right, so so let's jump in just from a different angle for a moment, and let's uh, let's talk to the average person in the street who has no idea what we're talking about, other than your professional journey. So let's jump to the concept of what a wound vac is. A vac um, sounds like a vacuum. Is that what vac is short for? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it is because the concept is very very fascinating. Um, what wound vacs are and what the and what the real word is now. KCI, the, the industry leader, coined that phrase wound vac. The real clinical term is negative pressure wound therapy. So, which is like a vacuum is negative pressure. It's sucking. It's not giving pressure. It's sucking pressure. Uh-huh. 
So the concept of suction therapy has been for around forever. Um, now, what it does is, is that people in the nursing homes get wounds, like terrible wounds, and from different reasons. They can get wounds from an amputation wound. They can be a post-surgical wound. It can be a bed sore. Um, it can be pressure ulcers. So they get these wounds, and they can get infected. And if the person's old, they can die. Um, and if, let's say, someone gets a hip replacement and have an incision wound, uh, it can get infected. So what uh, wound back and negative pressure wound therapy does is that they kind of put a seal over the wound, whether it's a deep wound or a smaller wound, depending on the wound. And the little tube that kind of comes out of that little bandage and connects to a machine the size of like a tissue box. And there's prescribed suction therapy that continue constantly, constantly sucks on the wound through the bandages. And what it does is besides for getting out all the gook and garbage from the wound, it also brings blood from the rest of the body, which has oxygen, and heals the wound better. So you can have somebody who had a wound for two months, and because he didn't, you know, he had a terrible uh, pressure ulcer, and you put this device on, you know, this bandage with this device within three weeks or even a week, you see a tremendous difference. And people, uh, it, it really changes the way people. Um, wounds. Now, it's really only meant for stage three and four wounds, which are deep wounds, which are bigger wounds. There are other treatments that people use for the smaller wounds, but we only focus on the negative pressure wound therapy space. Got it. Okay, so a couple of things here. Yes, uh, so a couple of things here that, first of all, let's talk about wounds in a minute, because you made a nursing home sound like this awful, horrific place. And I spent a lot of time in nursing homes and uh, we don't always have residents, you know, getting these horrific wounds that you need a wound vac for. Of course, there's a place for it. But just just to clarify a little bit further, um, as people age, right, they their skin is that much more brittle, brittle and more sensitive. And any type of simple... Um, skin abrasion a tear or anything like that i don't want to sound too clinical now because i'm not but the the point is that any breakdown of the skin tissue and depending on the depth of the wound it can be critical and like you said you know if not treated properly it can get infected and uh, people can die directly uh from the wound now as an every time we have a new admission in a nursing home one of the first questions are you know we check for wounds and, you know, just it's, I don't want to sound crude or crass, but it's almost like when you go to rent a car, you know, you check for scratches exactly. and dents because you don't want to pay for something that you didn't do. So if you have something that's called community acquired, this is a wound that did not come from the nursing home, could have come from the hospital, could have come from home, it could have come from anywhere. And then it comes in and you don't document that it was there in the beginning. So then you're going to be responsible for that wound. And either way, you're responsible to care for it but then it's going to be as if you created it. Um, a good, well-run nursing home will not create any additional wounds. Uh, you know, they'll have repositioning schedules and all sorts of interventions in place to, to ensure that no new wounds occur and that even wounds that come in, even if they are stage three or stage four wounds, um, that they're accounted for and dealt with and care planned in a way that the resident has the best possible chance um, of managing or even healing or improving, you know, some of these wounds. Some of them are chronic. I had a resident once um, that was 
gaming the system to some extent. And this resident would every so often as a particular wound was healing, the resident would take like a nail file or something like that and reinflict themselves to ensure the hill doesn't wound because they knew that without that wound, they would be on the street. And, you know, there are people wow. who game the system. Yeah. So so going back to my early days, KCI and Woundvac was synonymous. And if we ever got a new admission, they came to a nursing home and they needed Woundvac, automatically, automatically you call KCI or someone who rents, you know, their uh, their machines. And, and that was the end of that. Um, and now there are, now there are other companies as you know that do this as well so what is the difference i guess uh I, obviously kci is xerox to copy machines and frigidaire yeah. to fridges and etc um so basically did something happen that now other vendors have the opportunity to create wound or is it just people say you absolutely. know what let's do it ourselves absolutely perfect um so first of all the way you describe the wounds in the nursing homes is spot on uh, first of all and you said it better than anyone Thank else you. can say it so what happened was is KCI, when they came out with their wound back, they had a heavy patent on it, um, on the actual device and actually on the dressing kit. Um, but when my father started doing this, um, and they were very expensive. They charged a lot of money. When he found this device uh, at a show in Atlanta, um, they already lost their patent in Europe because the concept of suction therapy has been around for almost a thousand years. Um, if you ever watch, for example, Michael Phelps, um, swim. Um, he has these little red, you know, dots on the back because they do suction therapy, cupping therapy to his muscles. They're bringing suction through his skin to his muscles. So the concept of suction therapy to, you know, the body and bringing oxygen has been around forever. So they already had a heavy patent. They lost it in Europe. It was just a matter of time that they were going to lose it in America. So when they, as soon as this patent started to dwindle down, like any other medication that you know, you have the patent, you can do generic, we're able to do um, stuff. Now, at the end of the day, they are the industry leaders. And when they come out with a new product, every single company is trying to copy their stuff. And what it is, is that it's more affordable. It's, it's cheaper. Um, we manufacture our devices. We own the manufacturing company that makes them in China. So it doesn't cost us as much to make them. So we're able to offer them to a nursing home for a lot more affordable pricing. Um, but at the end of the day, suction therapy, as long as the machine doesn't break, it doesn't, you know, have any crazy alarms and doesn't work and the sensors aren't working properly, the concept works. And, and it's not rocket science at all. As long as you know how to apply the dressing kit properly. Now, one interesting thing is, and about this concept is that KCI has something called black foam. You know, the foam looks like air conditioning foam that they would cut and put into the wound. That way, air can go through it. And after they lost their patent on the device, they still had they still had a patent on the dressing kit. It took time until that patent went mm -hmm. away. And in the original days, yeah. we used to use white gauzes with a flat drain and use different things. But over time, they lost their patent. And we and there are some doctors that actually still like using some of that, you know, um, you know, uh, white foam gauzes instead of the black phone but that's kind of the got history it. got it okay well you know so thanks for sharing that 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 makes a lot of sense of how uh how other vendors are able to get into the market and to compete with them i mean it's very hard to compete with an industry standard 
Um, you know, it takes a lot to be able to, but you know, it, 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 it's a big industry and it's a big pie. Everyone can get a piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually no one will even remember KCI. They're just going to know your company, which I already forgot. Um, uh, what is it? W- WHT. 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 And with KCI, who knows of KCI? It's uh, just WHT. Let's move on to another point here. So for financially, who pays for the service? So generally the nursing homes pay for the service for the device. So that's where so the there's no coverage in certain they states. Can't bill Medicare or anything in, like that. I believe now in my company, my brother is the one who handles the, you know, the billing and put him on the phone. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, I know, like in Indiana and in New Jersey, you're able to bill some insurances and some type of Medicare uh, plans. But uh-huh. for the most part, uh, the nursing facility is responsible for it. So it is a tricky business in regards to dealing with. Uh, a nursing home, especially having competitive pricing because it's coming out of their pocket. Now, I do know that if you get a carve out, if they're taking a wound back patient, I do know now mm-hmm. with PDPM, for the first three days, um, they are getting paid a lot more uh, money to be taking a wound back patient into their facility. Um, but for the most part, people think there's only maybe a, on average one or a half a patient in a facility that's on a wound back. So half a patient. Average. Uh, We're doing an average, that. right? So if you have a, oh, okay. if you have five nurse, it, ten nursing homes in a chain. Let's say you have five of them are being run. You can have ones that run three, got four, it. and some can go three months and not even need one. Okay, so every time there's a new potential referral to a nursing home, so one of the things when they're doing that admission calculator to see if it makes sense, even though you, you know nursing homes are not technically supposed to be denying mm-hmm. primarily for financial reasons. But we know that sometimes uh, that's a factor. And like, okay, this could be a perfect admission. How much are we getting reimbursed? Wait, there's a wound vac. Does it still make sense? And sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sometimes do this case manager a favor and she'll scratch our back, you know, when, when we need her or him in the future. So now you spend a lot of your time and your primary, first of all, do you work with other healthcare partners besides for nursing homes or is it primarily nursing homes? Nursing homes um, we, we try different things. Um, we have like a smaller device for incision wounds. So we're trying to deal with break into that surgery centers a little bit. So mm-hmm. our bread and butter is the nursing homes and there are 17,000 nursing homes in the country. It can really keep you busy. Um, and we're in 39 states. So we're, we're really, you know, it's a volume business. Like I said, we only have one or two patients in the building. You have to have a thousand nursing homes as a clientele in order to be able to, you know, keep your business running. Because we only do wound backs. We're not like a rental company that does tons of different type of items that a nursing home needs on a daily basis. Got it. So you get to spend the bulk of your time speaking to nursing home operators uh, who maybe the media and other people like to call them cheap, which is not 100% accurate. Uh, When we talk about delayed reimbursement, when we talk about rates, where in Massachusetts, the average nursing home was losing 30-something dollars last year on every Medicaid patient that they were taking in. So in order to survive, they need to take enough insurance, Medicare patients, just to come out even. So it really just means smart operators who know that every penny spent has to be done very carefully. But that doesn't make it an easy conversation when you're asking them to open up your wallet. So 
over the last three or so years, I believe that you said that you've been doing this, have you developed any techniques or any skills that can be used um, in order to open up conversations, to move things to the next step that can perhaps be applied? Even I know this is not the sales podcast, but maybe just touch on this a little bit of what might be the way to initiate that connection and to kind of move the ball down the court a bit. Yeah. Now, with, with the wound back, um, you can get into a nursing home group so many different ways because it's not this big changeover like you're switching over a pharmacy or you're switching over some doctor services. So they can easily do a trial. So you can say, let's do a trial, a free trial for a week or so on a patient. That a lot of times works. But a lot of people already do that. Um, what, what, the thing that gets them the most in this Moonback business is to tell them that every facility has a layaway in the building at all times not being used. So if you get a patient on a 4.30 admission at 5 o'clock, like you mentioned in some of your podcasts, that it never happens. Of course it does, right? Mm-hmm. You right. already have that device in the building, which you're not being charged for, with enough supplies to hold them over for a week. The second you say that to a facility, they go, whoa, hold on a second. You're willing to give me a free device to keep here? And then when I put the patient on that device, I get another one as a backup. That is the thing that, that works. 70%. Yeah, I mean, that is something that is really, really cool. Uh, the fact that you can have that. Also, the fact that I could try my sound effects on you. Okay. Uh, but the fact that they can have that and that they don't have to be concerned. Because, like, is the wound vac going to be here yeah. in time? Right, The patient's here and we, yeah, we have to apply this X number of times a day. Um, you know, is it going to be in the building? So knowing that it's there, and I guess financially for you, that makes sense uh, to be able to have them in each building. Like you said, you are manufacturing it yourself, so you have a certain flexibility there. So that's a way of getting it. So sometimes I know that in the, the admissions will come in and they'll say, the doctor insists we have to use a KCI wound vac. It's a doctor's order. And the administrator, I know I've done this myself, and I reached to the back office and like, KCI, well, KCI is expensive. We owe the money. They don't talk to us anymore. Whatever reason is, we can't use KCI. Call Aaron. He's going to hook us up with the wound vac. He'll have it in tomorrow, whatever, right now, whatever. He's going to solve our problem for us. And the, and the admissions person is very, very insistent. Institutionalized to say, no, only KCI. Is there such a thing of making, is that a real binding um, medical order if someone says it has to be a particular vendor, a particular company. So, so it does happen. Um, and it happens often. It's happening less and less because a lot of the younger doctors don't really care. Um, they're kind of cooler about it. And they say, yeah, no problem. We'll just switch the prescription from KCI to negative pressure wound therapy, pump device. Um, but what we do in situations like that, we contact the facility and say, okay, we have seven nurses that work for us full time that go around and do different trainings. They're going to reach out to the doctor uh, from the hospital or from the wound center that wrote this description and say, can we have a meeting? And we've had flown out nurses to the middle of nowhere, United States, to meet with a particular doctor, show us our products and service, whether it's our, our kit looks the same as KCI, whether our white foam is the same and different concepts. And we put it in front of doctors and we went the extra mile for our clients and showed them the products that we have and helped our nursing homes um, be able to kind of take admissions that don't have to specifically use KCI. And we've done this for multiple, multiple clients. So 
it seems like what you're saying is, I want to make sure I understand this, is that the medical order is binding. Yeah, the right? if the description says TCI, it, it, it can run into an issue. Um, it does run into right, an issue. So, Sometimes we'll switch it, you know, they're just so used to it. Right. Right, right. So that we've had before is where the doctor will 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 switch it, uh, you know, to something else or or a different version. But you're saying that you your comment has gone so far, you've actually gone out and educated the the clinicians in the field to yeah. do that. Awesome. Yeah, we you know, the KCI. Okay. What they do is they'll come out with a new product or a new sensor, and they'll fly all these doctors out to Texas for a week of golf, and you know, and teach them how to use it. And, you know, not that they're getting paid by KCI, but you know, they kind of do a lot of branding and a lot of education and a lot of different things with these doctors. So, oh. um, I mean, so, they, they have the budget to do that. Yeah. One day, so will you. In a more general, global type of sales conversation, you have any vendor or any per- service provider, and you, you're, like you said, you're a mixture of a service and a product uh, because of some of the training that you mentioned yeah. earlier in the beginning. If you're trying to get in with, with a new company, so you're right, so... You have a no-risk trial. You have all sorts mm-hmm. of you know ways of getting in, and you have a very real service. You have a very real service that you're offering service product. I don't know what it's called. But you're leaving a wound back in their medical supply room so that it's always there on call. Okay. But this is this is all after you're ready or have an in, so to speak, with your potential client because you found the right person. You got to them. Well, how do you even get somebody on first base? Oh, um, in order to even open up the conversation, to even talk to you, because the second you call, you're not fixing a problem. They have KCI. Mm-hmm. It's working. They have maybe some of the things are slightly different. It's not burning. Yeah. Right. They, they it's not like that they're losing admissions every day because they don't have a wound vac or they never heard of the technology. Mm-hmm. They know exactly what you're talking about. It's working. Well, why should they even talk to you? And you call them okay. while they're busy. They're like, Aaron, don't bother me. Never call again. Why don't you get that? Um, a few things. Number one, um, I, I'm very respectful to everyone. Um, and I always say, if let's say you're busy, I'll call you back. And I treat them with a lot of respect. And I try not to be this overbearing salesperson that says, you know, I'm on, on top of my, my stuff and I make sure to follow up, but I'm not overbearing. Um, and I kind of come across, you know, professional, like I'm a professional too. But there's a few things. I, I mentioned in the first sentence that we do all exclusive pricing, that we're getting charged for the device and the, you know, the device and the supplies, everything at one daily flat rate, which a lot of companies don't do. They'll charge you one price for the device and one drive. I'm, I'm going to cut in for a minute. So you have great stuff to offer. Right. I'm just trying I'm to just think, like, what, what is it that gets me to, you know, to, to do it? It's a well thought out email, I would say. It's, you know, a good conversation, you know, ask them quick questions of what progress they've seen or what type of service they're getting. Ask good questions. Um, ask them what they're using now and talk about what you do. And don't put a lot of pressure on these people. Don't, you know, they are super busy. These people have a lot going on. And you just kind of ask them questions and let them start talking about their product. And when people start talking to you about their life and their their, their nursing home and how their facilities run, they, they gravitate to you. Um, they, they feel comfortable talking to you. And my advice to people is like ask questions about the, the facility and how big is the facility or how long are you working here for or what hospitals are nearby or what type of patients. Just take interest in other things that they're involved. They open up and start talking to you about this stuff. And people give business to people that they like. You know, they, they, you know when someone feels they can talk to someone on a personal level, 
they want to give business to a friend. And it could be a friend that they met, you know, in a conversation or they met somebody at a conference or they met somebody, you know, at, at you know, at a meeting. So there's something that I take a lot of pride in doing um, in kind of, you know, doing my sales, you know, technique. Awesome. Awesome. So basically, you know, some, some sales people are so rigid and they're reading from a script and they could not care less. I've tried this by the way, recently last week, and we were supposed to record this last week. I was completely out. I I never believed in the flu. I thought you just push yourself through sickness, completely knocked out by it. Um, and someone called an annoying salesperson. I have no idea who it was. And, Oh, uh, hi, Shmuel. Um, how are you doing today? I'm like, actually, I'm horrible. I have fever. I've been in bed all day. Well, um, you know, regarding your website, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, did you hear what I just said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Completely could not care less. Disingenuous, fake garbage. I'm like, yeah, got to go. Goodbye. Yeah. So actually asking things that are not in your lane. I'm just processing what you just said. Genuinely caring about the other person, noting that it's a person there, someone in the middle of their day, you might be their break that they get to escape from whatever immediate pressure there is and provide that break for them. That itself is, in, is a value. Uh, but don't do it to provide them a value. Do it because you actually care about another human being on the other side of the phone and engage, again, a, in a controlled way. You, know, don't, you, don't, you don't want the conversation to spiral out of control, but in, in a controlled way, you know, show them that you actually care. And then eventually they'll say, hey, why am I talking to you? Or you can carefully, you know, navigate the conversation back to where you're trying to get to and then see if it works, if it doesn't work. Um, I would just add one thing to that, which, you know, which I've learned recently is you have time, you know, on your end. If I get, you know, I used to be scared guys, you know, if I can't speak to me right now, oh my goodness, I have it on my schedule to speak to you now. How can you tell me to call me back tomorrow? That's such a long time. Next week, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. But like, no, there's plenty, like you said, there's 17,000 nursing homes in this country. So for anyone who sells to nursing homes or whoever your target audience is, there are plenty of fish in the sea. Some of the fish are, are hungry right now. Some of them are not hungry right now. They're going to be hungry in six months or six years. And you're planting a seed right now. And your next call might be somebody who's ready right now or not. But the more that you can genuinely not, be rushed you come across as calmer and you know it can go that much further i don't know why i'm just adding yeah, that in sure. uh, to what you said but it's something that i've, I've learned and it's been, it made a dramatic impactful change in the way i speak to people in sales or in anything like my agenda doesn't have to be your agenda that's perfectly fine you know, and not only that i'll tell you one more thing that i found recently when i saw i tell people like people say i'm not ready to make a purchase at this time so sometimes that's a politically correct way of saying Get out of my life. I don't want to ever hear from you again. That's how it can be perceived. And maybe in the past, that might even be how I meant it. When I, you know, as an operator speaking to vendors that were perhaps a little too pushy. But then I follow up with, is it okay if I follow up with you, you know, in two months or so? And a lot of times their response is, sure, thank you. That would be great. Like they genuinely want to deal with this Mm -hmm. in a couple of months. Just right now, the other stuff come in. Now they might say the same thing in two months and that's great. I'll follow up in another two months. Yeah. And eventually we'll get to a yes. Yeah. uh, You know, hard, hard stop. (laughs) I'll tell you one trick I always do. And, you know, whoever's listening out there, it's it's an awesome trick. And, you know, if I'm speaking on Monday, I always ask like, how, how was your weekend? And they might talk about like their hobbies or things they've done or general. And even in the meeting, they always still say something like, you know, my son plays baseball or, you know, I like to plant in the yard or I'm a big 
fantasy football guys. And I'm during the, I have notes on every conversation I have about the facility, the important stuff, and then all the garbage. And whenever I'm speaking to them, and I study these notes, like when I fly a lot, like I read them, just kind of familiar myself. So when I get a call from them, I know a little bit about their personal life and their hobbies are. And I just drop like a little one sentence, especially when I don't have their business yet, um, about they're just things that they're into, whether they're into wine or bourbon or stock or anything, you know. And the second you mention like a little thing that you actually take interest in these things, even if they're kind of always brushing you off because you had that one conversation at a conference, they start to like gravitate to you. Like this guy actually cares about me. Like it's some other trick. I write down like all their stupid hobbies that they're interested in, you know, and it works. Awesome. Yeah. I, the, the only thing I would argue on is I would not refer to it as a trick. Just because you speak to a million people and you can't remember everything in your head and you have a CRM where you're, you write things down. That's not a trick. That you genuinely care. If you have to write down your wife's likes and dislikes, or your children, or yeah. your business associates, people see every day, then maybe you have a problem. And if you're writing it down, it's a yeah. trick. But these are these are people you actually care about them. Instead of having that one-off conversation about their sports or their children or whatever else is going on in their life and letting it go, you're keeping that so that you can be respectful of them and who they are and just talk to them in a way that speaks to them. Mm-hmm. Aaron, you've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on the Nursing Home Podcast. I know the time already is up. I know the time went by very quickly today. You've provided a tremendous amount of value. You've given me the opportunity to test out this awesome podcast studio in Staples in Boston. Uh, but more importantly, you've really shared some, some really, um, a very unique approach um, to your particular business, to the nursing home industry in general, and you know some basic sales and personal skills as well. So Aaron, where can people, uh, if they want to learn more about you, about your business, and continue the conversation with you, where's the best place to send them? So my website um, definitely is called uh, woundhp.com because wound healing mm-hmm. technology is a huge thing. Uh, it's a big tenant, it's hard to say. So woundhp.com is our website. Uh, my email is, you know, Aaron L at woundhp.com. Um, and, and I'm a big fan of, you know, contacting somebody on LinkedIn or, um, you know, your email, you know, phone number, it's all there. Um, definitely. That's, that's the best way. But the website's very useful. It has, like, videos about our products and service. So uh, that's, that's what I would recommend first. Okay, excellent. So we'll definitely put a link to all of those uh, all those locations up on our show notes and we cannot end without thanking you so much for coming on the show giving us a few minutes of your time oh, thank you so much I learned so much uh, just to be on here and I feel like you know talking to somebody that knows the space so well like you um, it's so much easier to talk to somebody that knows it already and you're able to kind of fill in stuff that I left out and it, was, it felt like an, it was an honor for me to be on this podcast and I thank you well thank you for saying that Now that you've enjoyed this episode of the Nursing Home Podcast, would you go to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home? Again, ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home and rate and review this podcast so that others can learn about this very interesting and unique industry of the nursing home world. So again, head over to ratethispodcast.com slash nursing home and let everyone know how you've enjoyed this show. Thank you and enjoy your day.